listening to the Hope Church Winter Garden Podcast for May the 29th, 2016. This is week three of the series called Super Vision. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's good to see you guys today. Happy Memorial Day Eve. Memorial Day Eve. Hey man, we're really glad you guys are here today. You look good. Most of you, I gave you a hug today and you smelled good. And that's half the battle. I'm so glad all of our kids are in the service today. Moms and dads, can we give our kids a hand for being in church today? <clears throat> Man, I tell you this much. If we don't, moms, dads, parents, grandparents, uh, people that serve in kids' ministry, if we don't pour into these kids, they won't stay around forever. I've done this long enough to know that most kids' statistics say most high school graduates, the moment they graduate, they leave the church. 80% of them. And that's in churches all across America. 80% of these kids leave the church. And a lot of you guys, our church is a church for people who haven't been in a long time. A lot of you guys are like, that's me. I, I, I left high school and I'm coming back at 25 or 28 or 30. Or, and so we're just really glad you guys are here today. So moms and dads, I want you guys to know as a church, every time we're here as a church, I want to educate us and bring us along in a direction. But we, we're doing what we do because we want to make sure the next generation makes it. In Judges chapter 2, it's one of the most scariest verses in all the Bibles. But it says this in Judges chapter 2. After one generation died, the next generation didn't know who Jesus was, or they didn't follow Jesus. One generation, one generation, it was, there was no more following Jesus. And, you know, Joshua and Moses, these guys poured their time in these people. They loved these people. They served them. But one generation, one generation went by and the people didn't know and follow Jesus. So it's our job to teach them how to follow Jesus. It's our job to teach them how to love and to follow. I I told Travis, I said, man, that welcome was better than the sermon. We got to dream bigger we got to dream bigger for our kids. I love that we're in this series on, 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 on leadership, but man, we got to, mom says, we got to take our kids and we got to put them up on our shoulders and let them see down the road and let them see the future. Let them see what we can't see. It's kind of that picture of, you know, when you go up to a fence, most of you guys can't see over the fence unless you're the garments, but six feet tall, you can't see over the fence. But leading the next generation, this idea of us going to the fence and, and it's the idea of, of Ben taking his kids and say, hey, you get up my shoulder, I want you to see. Or if you've ever been to a concert, I know you guys are super spiritual. You guys have never been to concerts. And uh, if you go to a concert or you go to a park and you put your kids up on your shoulders so they can see better. You want them to see, and that is leadership. That's the next generation. We want them to see what could be. And so I'm excited. We have great volunteers in all of our kids' ministry areas, and they're awesome. And I love them. I'm so thankful that they're here today and that they're serving. Is Hallie in here today? Is Hallie in here? Are you in here, Hallie? No? Hadley is uh, one of our kids' ministry volunteers, and you don't see her a lot in this service because typically she's out helping and serving as many of our kids' ministry volunteers do, and she does a great job, and, and um, I wanted to honor her this morning. She does a great job. And also, um, anyone who serves in kids' ministry, it's the hardest area. It's the most important. It's not the hardest. It's the, one of the most important areas of our church because we're teaching people, teaching kids about Jesus and how to follow him. And so, hey man, we are one Sunday, one more Sunday here. And I'm almost like in tears about it. We only got one more Sunday in this building. Next Sunday is June the 5th. We'll be here. We're going to extend our supervision series, uh, this message's by one more week, and then June the 12th, we'll actually be over in the YMCA, which is less than a half a mile away from here. But the night before we launch, we launch on June 12th, we're going to go in there on June the 11th, and a team of people are going to come and set up and get prepared. But we want to invite everyone in this room to come at June chapter, June chapter 12. We want to invite everyone to come in June the 11th on 7 p.m. It'll be our first ever as a church prayer service. 
Churchwide prayer service. We'll do prayer and worship June the 11th, Saturday night at 7 p.m. Eat dinner before you come. We're going to come. We'll only be there for no longer than 40 minutes. We're just going to come and we're going to pray. And um, we're going to pray where we play basketball, where my kids play sports at, where we sponsor kids to, to have Hope Church on the back of there. We're going we're gonna to play and we're going to pray there where they play. And I was over there this, this morning dreaming with one of our guys on our dream team, Tyler. And, and uh, we were just looking at it, just kind of walking the hallways and kind of walking the gymnasium floor and seeing what was going to happen. And so we're super, super excited about that. This past week, we ordered all of our flooring um, that's going to be on top of that gymnasium floor. So it'll look like, it won't look like a gymnasium floor. It'll be gray floor. And we'll be able to walk on that. And our chairs, we're picking those up this week. And we're going to have those. And um, we've, they're going to be painting the YMCA to make it look better. I think doing it for us. And uh, so that's what I'm going with. And so they're painting the YMCA to make it look better. And, and uh, this past week, we've ordered our projectors and our screens. And all that stuff is coming in. And we're super, super excited about all that God is doing over there and, and, and what he's going to do through our lives and through people coming to hear about Jesus. I spent some time over there throughout the week. Um, like, like I said, I coached there. And the people already know that we're coming there and they're excited about it. The, volu- the workers that work at the YMCA, a handful of them don't go to church anymore. And like, man, we're gonna, when you guys get here, we're going to come to this church. Some of the ladies that, are in, uh, that go to a spin class and that are friends of friends. And, and Diana's lady name, her name is Ursula. And she said, I'm going to be at your church. She said, Pasa, I got your back. I said, I can't wait. I need some people at my back. You know what I'm saying? And um, so she's, they're excited. They know we're coming. This week we'll be installing signs on the campus. And it's just going well. God is just doing some amazing things. And we're super excited about all that God has to do. And today's our supervision offering. At the very end of this service, we'll take an offering. We're going we're gonna to designate and all of our entire Sunday morning offering today will go to that move. If you move, if you've ever moved somewhere before, you know it takes extra time. It takes money. It takes effort and it takes energy. So this move is costing us. Um, it, it's costing us, and God's blessed us, and we've seen a lot of money come in. So at the very end, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that, and we're going to take our offering for that um, for that series. I mean, for that far move. Um, God has given us a vision, our church, a vision to love and serve this city and to introduce people to Jesus. That's the vision that God's given us. And it's our job as a team, as our, as our leadership team and our overseas, our job is to communicate that vision to you guys and us as a church for us to do this together. Now, if you've been coming to this church for a while or if you're brand new, you, you know that we're all on the same exact, same exact playing stage. All of us just do different things. And so I probably should be in the seat next to you listening to somebody else preach, but I happen to be the guy up here with the microphone today. And there'll be a come a time where God will bring more people on our team and they'll be communicating to us and our overseas overseers coming and they and they communicate to us and they speak into our lives. But it's our job as a church, all of us in here today, to reach, to love and serve this city and to connect people to Jesus. That's what we do. That's what we do every single week. Everything that we do, it, re, it, it, uh, it reflects that one goal. It's for us to, to love and serve this city and to introduce people to Jesus. We say this every week. We're, we're called to love all people at all times and all places. And that's exactly what we're here to do. We've been in a series um, called Supervision. We've been looking at a guy by the name of Nehemiah in the Bible. And Nehemiah was a great leader. He was a great team player or player, depending on how you say it. He, this guy was, he was all in. He was a great servant. He was a leader. He was a visionary. He, we, we termed the, the, the word or the, the word vision, we defined it as this this, this month. Is that vision is seeing the way things are, but then being able to see the way things could be. Seeing the way things are, but then seeing the way things could be. And Nehemiah, that's the kind of guy Nehemiah was. If you're a leader here today, you see, a lot of people, they see rubble, but you see a potential 
building. I'm in this group, uh, Winter Garden Rants, Raves, and Reviews, and I watch these people comment and post and, and all this stuff, and they complain, and they compliment, and they can give suggestions and give advice, but when something, when dirt gets moved in Winter Garden, people want to know why dirt's being moved. Hey, who knows what's going there? That's the first thing you say. Hey, I saw this happen. What's going on there? Uh, uh, Mr. Roper is, um, is, um, is, is a guy that lives in the city, and he is downtown Winter Garden's office, and he sends a video, he puts a video out and he can see he can see over where the new where the new I guess it's a parking garage going back there he can see so he kind of gives like a video because people want to know what's going on when dirt's moved people want to know what's going on in, in this city we believe that God see we see the way it is but we also see the way it could be we see a day as a, as a church we see a day where there's more people in church than there are in Walmart on Sunday morning but right now, the opposite is true. There's more people at Walmart than that are in churches. And so we see that being flipped. We see a day where people wake up and say, man, I can't wait to go to church. Instead of saying, man, I can't wait to go to Disney, which I like to go to Disney too. Not in the summertime, but, you know, I, we dream of that day. Or we, we dream of a day where people say, man, I, we, we have friends here today, and they're part of our dream team. They've been coming for the last five or six months, and they are, they, they've been staying at, at their condo all weekend. But they drove back today for church because, like, this is our church. We had to come back for church. And church will end, and they'll drive back over. We see there people are more excited about coming to church than they are going to the, to the beach. And I'm not against the beach. I'm going tomorrow. But I'm just saying, we see that day. I, mean, I can't wait to get there. I'm dying to be at church. I'm dying to hug people and to shake hands. I'm dying to introduce my friends and bring my neighbors to hear about this guy named Jesus. And so we live for that. We see the way things are, but we all see the way things could be. Proverbs tells us this, that where there is no vision, people perish. And we believe that we don't want anyone to perish on our watch. We don't want anyone going to hell on our watch, not, not on Hope Church's watch, not on your watch, not on my watch. We want to see the world come to know Jesus starting right here in this city. So week one, we looked at a guy by the name of Nehemiah. Nehemiah realized that he got news that the, the walls around Jerusalem, they were all the way to the ground. They were completely destroyed. They were a mess, and there was a huge problem. So Nehemiah saw the way things are, but he also saw the way things could be. And Nehemiah left his home and his place where he had shelter and a place where he had food and where he had drinks and where he had friends. He left all that. He left comfortability. He left his king-sized bed. He left air conditioning all to go to a place with no walls. Not because he wanted to build a big building, but because he wanted to see people connected to Jesus. And that wall was a place where they met inside here. But so he's like, man, we got to get those people. And so he got, in a, got on his horse and he went hundreds of miles away to go see people connected to Jesus, to build that place of safety and place of comfortability so people could come and gather and people couldn't be picked off from bad people or from other or surrounding cities. And God began to use Nehemiah. He had a job and he had a home, but he left all of it to go and change a community. Nehemiah chapter, the very week two, we looked at the phrase, Nehemiah knew that teamwork makes the dream work. Nehemiah knew that teamwork makes the dream work. He had everyone and their mama helping. He had everyone helping. He had kids helping. He had moms helping. He had grandmas helping. He had cousins, aunts, uncles. He had everyone helping. Nehemiah knew that teamwork makes the dream work. What we know is that we, in this church, as, as a community, we know that we're all better together. We're better. You need me, and I need you. And we need more of you to be a part of us. We need more people to come on board. We need each other. We, we're better together. We can do more together. We'll baptize some people um, in, in just a few moments outside, but we're using a church across town. We're using their baptistry. We drove and got and picked up this weekend. We're going to baptize you in theirs 
in their baptistry, their portable baptistry, and we're better. Our churches are better together. I told you guys this last week that we're not in competition with any church. Um, we're different than all of them, and they're different than us, and they're reaching people that we can't reach, and we're reaching people that they can't reach, and we're not, we're not in this. Our, our competition is not them. We're all better together. Teamwork makes the dream work. I said this last week. Mother Teresa said this. I can do things you cannot. You can do things I cannot. Together, we can do great things. So Nehemiah went to that city. He got some people together. And in 52 days, they put that wall back up together. 52 days. You've never seen a construction project go 52 days. You, you just have. I mean, you, if you wanted to renovate your kitchen, a full remodel in your kitchen, it would take a long time. But to build a whole entire wall around an entire city, 52 days, they built that wall from top to bottom, and they put the gates up, and they dedicated it to the Lord. And they did that because of teamwork. Today, we're going to look at, we're going to talk to you about one of my favorite subjects. It's Chris Young, one of our guys. It's his absolute favorite subject, and it's leadership. Leadership. I titled this message today, and if you want to write some notes on the worship guide that you got when you walked in, I, I titled this, Looking for Leaders. Looking for Leaders. We're looking for leaders. Turn to the person next to you and tell them it might be you. It might be you. It might be you. Turn to your second choice and say it might be you too. It might be you. Looking for leaders. It might be you. John Maxwell said this about leadership. A leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. And if you're looking to get a good book on leadership, John Maxwell has written 1,500,000, no, he's written a ton of books on leadership. It's the same information, but packaged a different way in each of the books, I think. <laughs> um, but he's making money, and I'm not jealous. And so, leadership knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. Ralph Nader said this, the function of leadership is to produce more leaders, not more followers. We're not looking for anyone else to follow us. I'm not looking for you to follow the person next to you. Now, we, we talk about every single week we go through a thing called Next Steps, and it's how we get people in the right vehicles and how they can serve. But we all follow extent. We want to, I follow our, I, I submit to all of our overseers that are five pastors outside the church. I submit to all of them, and, and I follow their leadership, and, and I'm, I'm commissioned with the job to give vision to your church. Some of you guys follow me. You follow Diana. You follow leaders and kids here, and we all want to follow leaders. We want to follow people the way we'd want to be followed, and so we all be involved. But some of us, God's given you guys the gift of leadership, and it's not our goal to have more followers, but our goal is to produce more leaders. We believe this. Our next season of growth, we're going to need more leaders. You're like, this is pretty simple. It is pretty simple. We're looking for more leaders. We're looking for people to get, in the, get, on, get on board the bus with us and go in the right direction, to go in the direct direction with us, and we can't do it all by ourselves. I sat with TK this morning, spent some time with him, and he said, you guys have to delegate more. You and I have to delegate more. The people that are next to them, they have to delegate more. But we are looking for leaders. Nehemiah knew this. He, the whole time they were building the wall, Nehemiah, because he was a great leader, Nehemiah was looking for leaders. He was looking for leaders. If you have a Bible, turn to Nehemiah chapter 7. Nehemiah chapter 7. I love seeing these kids sit in church. This is amazing. And they're well-behaved. If you see a well-behaved kid in church, that's a kid that gets spanked at home, in case you're wondering. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. 
However, I did see a video of your family today, and it was six against one, and you weren't really winning. I don't know if you were letting them win or not, but you weren't winning. And so um, clearly that was playtime. That was playtime. When it's all business, it's all business. Nehemiah got the walls built, and a bunch of people moved in. Look at this uh, in Nehemiah chapter 7. I want to read this off to you in verse 8. The family of Parash. There was 2,172 people. The family of the next family, there was 372. The next family, there was 652. The next family, there was 2,818. The next family, there was 1,254. The next family, there was 845. The next family, there was 760. The next family, there was 648. You stand out with me, Stephen? The next family, there was 628. The next family, there was 2,322. The next group of people was 666.7. The next group of family, there was 2,067. The next one, 655, 98, 328. The next family, 324, 112, 95, 188, 128, 42, 743. You know what he's going to say? When I get done, he's going to say, this, these Macs, they're slow. These Macs, they can't stay up. That's what he's going to say to me. My PC would stick up with this thing, and so... Um, I don't even know we're at 743. Next one, 621. The next one, 122. The next one, 123. The next one, 52. 1,254, 320, 345, 721, 3,930. 973, 1,052. 1,247, 1,017, 74, 148, 138. Keep looking at verse 66. Look over at verse 66. Some of you guys are thinking, what is this guy doing? I've got it all under control, trust me. Verse 66 says this, So a total of 42,360 people returned to Judah. In addition, 7,337 servants and 245 singers. They had to have a praise team. Both men and women, they took with them 736 horses, 245 mules, 435 camels, and 6,720 donkeys. Some of the other family leaders, they gave gifts for the work. The governor gave the treasury 1,000 gold coins, 50 gold basins, 530 robes for the priests. The other leaders gave it to the treasury, a total of 20,000 gold coins and some 2,750 pounds of silver uh, silver for the work. The rest of the people gave 20,000 gold coins about 2,500 pounds of silver and 67 robes for the priests. Verse 73, so the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and some of the common people settled near Jerusalem. The rest of the people returned to their own towns throughout Israel. They had a field of dreams moment. If you build it, they will come. If you build it, they will come. They built the walls around Jerusalem and 40-something thousand people moved into the walls in the days following. Like that. That's a lot of people, isn't it? 40,000 people. Now, it's very significant today, and, uh, and, and only God could do this. In the last 15 years, Winter Garden has doubled in population. In the last 10 to 15 years, and there's about 40-something thousand people in Winter Garden. Now you're like, Wes, that's a pastor stretch there. Call it whatever you want. It's what the Bible says. I can't make this up. I, God chose way before, long before we got here today that we we're going to do a series in Nehemiah. He knew exactly how the weeks were going to line up. He knew that we were going to stretch it by one week. And what we're going to talk about next week is super important to next week. But God also knew that it was important for the number of 40,000-something people to be in this city. 
Now, what are you saying, Wes? We can fit 40,000 people into the West Orange or the Roper YMCA? I don't know, but I would try it. And um, no, that many people can't fit in there. The, number, the reason why that number is significant is because that goes to show that they needed a place to meet Jesus. And the people in Winter Garden, they need a place to go and meet Jesus. Your friends that you live next to, they need a place to come and meet Jesus. I need that. I was at a, uh, I was at, um, a place this week. I was at uh, my barbershop with my friend Stefan, and there's a new uh, stylist there. And she has the coolest tattoos. I shouldn't talk about that while the kids are in service. They were just awesome. They were just super, super cool. And I said that to her, and she looked at me like, how many pastors compliment tattoos? And I'm like, this one. I share that with you to say this. There are people in Winter Garden looking for a church where they can come just the way they are. Now, here's the beauty about that, is that Jesus didn't leave you the way that you were when you came in. So Jesus can let these people come in, or anybody come in, and Jesus won't leave them the way that they were when they came in. And that's, his, that's what he does. The Bible tells us that God is the author of our faith. He also is the finisher of our faith. The Bible tells us that God is the beginning, but God is also the end. It's not our job to save, sanctify, and every other church word in the Bible to get these people to look right, act right, go right, give right, act right. It's not our job to do that. It's our job to love the people as God begins to change their heart. We can change behaviors in here. It's not, it's not super hard to change behavior, but that will only last a season. And God, when God changes things, God changes hearts. And when if a heart is changed, behavior's changed. Uh, Travis has a, a, a guy that goes to our church, and they recommended me the book, uh, a book that says, Think Like a Billionaire. And it's written by Christians, or there's verses in this whole thing. But it's all about this making your mind dream bigger. My, uh, Diana's dad was at a church in Miami, and the pastor's sermon was called, Tell Your Heart to Breathe Again. Tell Your Heart to, to Beat Again. Wake, wake Up. And that book's all about dreaming bigger. And what's sad is, I think, our, as a culture, sometimes we get going doing life, and our dreams get hijacked by people. And we've got to get our minds open up to more from God and more for God. We've got to get our minds thinking, man, what, what could happen? What, I see the way things are, Wes, but, or God, I see the way things are, but God wants to get us to a place from seeing the way things are, just seeing about how could things be? What could, what could it look like? What would it be like? And so that book, that How to Think Like a Billionaire, you, I recommend it to you. I think you ought to read the Bible, but I also think you ought to read other books too. And I told Kristen on that Facebook feed that, the, the thing I've done the worst since I've launched this church is I quit reading. And I feel like I'm like hobbling along because I used to read, I used to read a lot more. And readers are leaders. Um, here's what he says in, in the very next verse. I want to I get to this. Let me go back to, you're like, man, this is backwards. So we went that way. We're going to go back to the very first verse of this chapter. Nehemiah chapter 7. After the walls were finished... I set up the doors in the gates, and then I set up gatekeepers. You can take that verse off the screen. He set up gatekeepers, or he set up leadership, because he knew 
if he didn't get things right and set up some leaders, the walls would come crashing down again. Does that make sense? My wife said to me, babe, can we just all, can all of us just help clean the house up for five minutes? All of us. And it makes perfect sense. You wonder why it makes perfect sense? Because it takes six of us to mess up a house. Or if a Diana's gone, it just takes me and the kids. We can mess up all by ourselves. We don't need help messing up. But it takes six. She's like, if we just take five minutes and we just all chip in and help. She always says that to me, uh, to my mother-in-law, Grana. We call her Grana. Grana, she always says it to me. I'm like, and I, my vision is like, why don't I take all the kids outside and you clean up? I, to me, that sounds super practical. She hates it when I say that. I'm like, I'll just take them outside. I'll take them, I'll drive them around the car for an hour. You clean, clean as long as you want. You know, I'll just, we'll go to Chick-fil-A. I'll lock them up in that play place. And you just go to town this thing, you know. And I'm at the, if they get a couple more years older, I'm just going to drop them off. there. And I'm going to come back and help her. And then I'll go back and get them later. But she says, why don't we just all chip in? If we all, if we just all help. Our church is looking, this church is looking for leaders. Nehemiah knew they needed leaders. We know as a church, as, the church, as our church continues to grow, we need more leaders. I'm going to invite Gabe to come up and help me finish um, this sermon. I want to tell you three things that leaders do. Before I tell you that, um, you only have three things in life, by the way. You have God, you have people, and you have resources. Some of you guys like this church because I'm so simple. You only have those three things. You have God, you have people, and you have resources. That's all you got. Oh, I have a house too. That's a resource. I got Facebook. That's a resource. I've got money. I have a job. It's a resource. I got a wife. I have kids. That's a person. Don't be like, that's a resource. (laughs) Some of you guys are like, yeah, that's who I use to clean my house. You have, that's a person. You have kids. That's a, that's people. Family, people. People that you work around, co-workers, people. But then you have the creator of the universe. Maybe it's better to say that he, he has you, or he wants to have you. So you have God, and you have people, and you have resources. That's all you have in life. How well are you doing with those three things? Because it's only those three things. How well are you doing with those three things? And so in Nehemiah knew that there was only those three things. So there's three things that we can grasp from Nehemiah right now. If you're, some of you guys are sitting here saying, man, I am resonating. I want to be a leader. This is my place. I'm going to be able to be a leader here. What does that look like? Some of you guys are like, I don't even, I've never been a leader before. And by the way, some of the greatest leaders in our church, they're 16 years old. They come every single week, 17. From the inception of our church, they've come every single week at 830. And they serve their stinking tails off. This is one of the greatest leaders in church. So if you're here today and you're thinking, man, I, I can't fit in at this church. I won't be able to lead at this church. Last church, they didn't let me lead. This church, not the last church that you went to. And this church is really, really, really young. I beg old people to come to our church. Because we need some wise people. Because young people, you, you, if you're young in here today, 25 and down, probably 35 and down, we just need help. I need help. I need older people. That's why we have overseers. We have overseas because I need help. We have, a, we have one trustee, and we need more. I need that because I need help. I have godly friends in my life, like a bunch of you guys, and Scott McIntyre, and sitting right there. Some I have godly in my life because I need help. We all, we all need it. 
and we all need each other. There's those three things. Here's what Nehemiah did. Here's what leadership looks like and, and what Nehemiah wants to say. Leaders love people. Leaders love people, man. You ever met a leader and you can just tell they love people? Like, man, he just loves people. Maybe you have. There's two types of leaders, by the way. There's servant leaders and there's positional leaders. This church, there's no room for positional leaders. There's only room for servant leaders. If you're a positional leader, you'll get frustrated and leave and we won't be mad. We believe in servant leadership. I'm the first guy here. I'm, a lot of times I'm the last guy here. I get here with Steve and he's, he's probably, uh, correction. Steven's the first one here. I'm always late. And then I get here and I will serve. There's nothing I want to ask you to do that I won't do. There's just, there's just not. I'm going to go to the YMCA tonight by myself with Steven and just dream and work on logistics because that's not my thing. We're going to go do that. Leaders love people. If you want to fit in our leadership structure at our church, you got to love people. Nehemiah loved people. And here's the deal. If you don't love people, it all starts with a simple prayer. God, I want to love people more. I was going to, all around the world. I, with my father, I went, on, I went on 10 trips, 10 missions trips in nine years. 10 trips in nine years. You want to know why I did that? Because he loves people. And it's, it's usually, it's, it's contagious. And you begin to love people. And I went because I love people. Leaders, Nehemiah loved people. That's why he went hundreds of miles away. He left comfortability to go serve people that he didn't even know. Leaders love people. Here's the second thing. Leaders live to please God. Leaders live to please God. When you come through our church, you, there's a thing called next steps. And if you're here today and you're thinking, man, I want to jump and I want to plug in, you got to go through next steps. Like, it's, it's just, it's, we want you to know who we are. We don't want you to come, be, no, I don't, we don't want you to come and say, I'm going to be a leader. And then three months, say, oh, why did, we didn't know you guys were all about lost people. We thought you guys were about building a comfortable space for me to come and learn about Jesus. Well, we are, but we're about people. We're about other people. And once you go through next steps, at the moment you go through next steps, we tell you at next steps, hey, this church is not for you anymore. It's for your friends to come and hear about Jesus. You're like, that sounds pretty cruddy. No, it's not. It's awesome, actually. It's really cool. Because you have a fraternity that you're with, and then you just go get people and bring them in to hear about Jesus. And then you help those people grow. It's amazing. So leaders live to please God. And in that class, we tell everyone there, we don't live to please you. It's too hard. It's too hard to please everybody. Isn't it too hard to please? If you've ever tried to please someone, you know that's hard. It is hard. I watch, we have a lot of sweet, 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 young 20-year-old girls in our church. And I follow them on social media. I follow most of you on social media. I love when it gets to the point that I'm done trying to please people. I'm like, man, that's about, that's what I'm talking about. They write stuff like, they subtweet nowadays. It's like, subtweet is like this. And when you break up the boyfriend, instead of saying, well, older people, you break, you break up, you just, typically you would just say, hey, me and Mike, well, you don't blast on Facebook. You just break up with the guy and it's over. That's how we used to do it. Nowadays, if you're 27 and you break up with someone, you subtweet. And so instead of saying, I broke up with Mike, you say this, new season is going to get better. I'm pressing on. And that's code for, I got rid of that stinking jerk. I don't like him. Like, it'd be easy, it's, it would be less characters to say, I broke up with Mike. If you want to know why, come ask me, I'll give you the list. No, I'm just kidding. But it's like, but instead, we're just like, I'm pressing on, I'm not looking back, I'm moving ahead, my past is over in you. We start, we like start posting the Christian songs, like, it's all, it's going, it's, it's called subtweeting. Instead of saying what you really think, it's just like a, it's like a little sub version of it. It's awesome. Praying for my marriage. 
If someone puts pray, pray for my marriage, that's saying my husband is a, is a stinking jerk. <laughs> you know? We can, and it's sad because social media is our, is our social media, this is a freebie. I got to announce this most weeks. Social media is just the highlight reel. I, you know, I had, community groups are awesome. I, I, we have them at our house. We had about 70 people go through community groups and we're going to launch them again in September. I'm not going to post the picture of the Sunday we have community group when the Garmins were there and the Fraggers were there and Yarborough and, 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 and Jen, all these guys. I'm not going to post that picture when we're all there. I use last names sometimes. I'm not going to post a picture of the day when my, 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 my twins threw up and I took the, I took the, the throw up clothes and I put them in the, in the washroom and I turned the water on and put the stopper in there and put them in there and the water flowed out the, out the mud room, out into the garage, around the corner and they all and they're all there. Like I think I think something broke in your house. I'm like, no, nothing can break in my house. If you have a house, everything breaks, you know. And I didn't post a picture of the water coming around the corner. And my wife was leaving the next day for a four day trip. I don't post that picture. That's the highlight reel. I only post smiling faces. We're growing together, better together. I'm not gonna post. I'm not gonna post the negative. Social media and Facebook. It's just the highlight reel. You'll see me at the beach tomorrow. I don't go to the beach every week. You see me at Disney on, on Tuesday night with some friends, but I don't go every night. I, I can't afford to go with a year-long pass. I don't want to go in the summertime, and I don't want to go when it's blacked out. I got the passes that I want and the ones that I can afford at the same exact time. But I'm going to post a picture. I'm not going to post the twins throwing up. I'm not going to post that. I'm not going to post a picture. Hey, me and my wife fighting. Click. I'm not doing that. You're not going to do that. You can't live. Some of you guys are like, I'll post that picture. I love that. Yeah, this guy's crazy. He will. He's like, kid, be his friend. Benjamin Toms, you want to follow him right now. You know, like, we're not, we're not living to please people. We only can live to please God as a church and as an individual. We can only live to please God. Leaders love, Nehemiah loved people. Leaders, leaders love people. Leaders live to please God. And here's the thing, the third thing. Leaders leverage their resources. Some of you are thinking, man, this guy's crushing the L game. Leaders love, leaders live, leaders leverage. I want to make it simple for you because I don't want to come in here and pump you up and encourage you while they want to do that. But I want you to remember some things when you walk out. Because tomorrow, Satan's going to throw a rock at you. He's going to. George Torino came to church two weeks ago, gets in the car, flat tire. Still made it here. I guess he changed his own tires. I guess that's the older generation. New, this new generation, we wait for AAA, you know what I'm saying? Older generation, they fix it. Satan's going to start throwing rocks at you the day you leave. The day tomorrow. The day after tomorrow. Here's the third thing. Leaders leverage their resources. We live in America today. Winter Garden, cities all surrounding. And we have lots of of resources. Just nod your head with me, okay? Whether you think you do or not, your broke is poorer than the poorest person, than some rich people in other countries. Your broke is. Does that make sense? I went to a, um, doesn't make sense. Someone shook their head, no. People, People would die to have a crappy car in other parts of the country. 
Nairobi, Kenya, where we have a church and where we're collecting medical supplies for, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, where we have, we're collecting medical supplies for, the whole house would die for everyone to have their own toothbrush, but they share a toothbrush. There's more people in the world today that have cell phones than that have toothbrushes. So you're broke. Travis and Kristen were, were, were broke, and they, they got into this business, and, and God blessed them in their, in their business. And I went and watched them at one of their, uh, one of their uh, gatherings, um, and, and, and uh, they work for It Works. And so I went to dine over there, and they're like, he said to me, when people say they were broke, like, I want to know, like, how broke they were. He said, because we were, like, borrowing license plate tags from car to car whenever we would drive. He's like, that broke. Like, like you were eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches all the time can't afford to put gas in the car that you own like he goes how broke are you we in america have tons of resources we just do we live in the in the wealthiest we're the wealthiest people in the world americans if you make fifty thousand dollars or more you're in the top 10 percent of the world's richest people you're in the same category with the with the gazillionaires the top 10 percent have you ever thought about like that before that's where you're at. We have tons of resources. Leaders leverage their resources. As a community, we want to leverage our resources to reach more people. So we're doing this supervision series, the supervision offering in, in just a few moments. And we're going to leverage our finances. We're going to leverage our lives. We're going to leverage all that we have to reach more people because that's where we're going. We want to reach more people. And that's what we want to do. We want to leverage all that we have. I was talking, I went to lunch yesterday with my friend, my friend Carl, and my brother Lathan. And I was sitting there and I was talking to him about the church. And I was like, man, we're, about to, we're, going, to, we're going to take an offering tomorrow. And 100, 100% of our offering is going to this, to this project. And our goal was to raise $10,000 for this project in one Sunday. Last week, Lathan said to me, do you think we're really going to raise $10,000 in one Sunday? You don't want to know what I said? No. I said, I don't, I don't think so. But I said, that's a lot. And, um, and I was sitting there and I was telling, and God said, man, are you, are you crazy? God can do whatever he wants in a Sunday morning gathering. He can do whatever he wants Monday through Friday. Are you crazy that God can't do that? And so God began to work on my faith. So all week long, I'm like, God, you can do this if you want to. If it's possible, you could do it, God. I think you could, if you wanted to, like, I'm like trying to say just enough to let God know. I'm like, I really want him to, but, but not to get my hopes up too high. So I was at lunch yesterday and I was telling the guy, I said, man, if a hundred people, if we have a hundred adults tomorrow morning and a hundred adults gave a hundred dollars, then we would raise $10,000 on one Sunday morning offering. And I was, and Lathan was like, oh, that's not too bad. That's not bad at all. We can do that. And I'm like, I hope so. And then I was thinking, I said, you know, some people are going to give more than a hundred, but some people are going to give less than a hundred. But here's what I do. I want everyone to jump in. And whether you give a dime or whether you give a dollar or whether you give a thousand dollars, whether you give a it doesn't matter because God just wants you to give something. He just wants you to do whatever you can do. And I'm going to do what I can do. And these kids in here, they do what they can do. And Heather can do what she can do. And Jimmy can do what he can do. And you can do whatever you can do. And that's all you can do is what you can do. I can't give what Scott can give. And Scott can't give what I can give because we got two different bank accounts. We can only do what he wants to do. Kaylin can't give what her dad gives. Her dad can't give what Kaylin gives because they're two different people. You can only do what you can do. Leaders always leverage their resources. So I got in the car, I left lunch. I was telling the guys, I said, we could do this. We could do this. And so I left lunch. And when I, when I left lunch, I got almost home and I was late because I'm a talker and I talked for a long time. And my buddy called me and said, hey, stop, I got something for you. And I said, 
oh man, what's he got for me? You know, like he's a big guy and when we're together, we typically eat, but we just ate. Like maybe he bought me a cookie from Daniel's because that's where I was two days in a row. And, um, and I might go there tonight. Um, but he's like, I was like, maybe he bought me a cookie. He wants to bring me a cookie because the cookies are good there. And so, but he pulled up next to me. I stopped at a, another church in the area and I parked my car and he came next to me. He said, man, I, I got my birthday gift from my, from my mom. And I said, oh, that's cute. You know, he's, 40, he's 50 years old. He said, it's so weird because I got it two months late. And he goes, not, he says, and he's a truck driver. He goes, I listen to Joel Osteen all of the time. I've heard all his sermons for the last 12 years. And now they're almost on repeat. Because I just, I'm in the car 10 hours a day as I listen to him all the time. He goes, he goes, and I've been looking to use my resources. Because that's a lot of things Joel said, man, you got to use your resources. You got to use the, whatever God's given you, you got to use it for God. And so he goes, I got a birthday gift. And he goes, guess how much it was? I said, I don't know. Is your mom, you know, I, what, what does your mom give you? I don't know. You know, he says, he said it was a $100 bill. And I was like, that's awesome, man. He goes, and I, he goes, and God said to me, keep on that $100 bill. He's only been two days. He goes, I'm going to tell you what to do with it. He said, and I was like, okay, cool. I'm like, man, you're going to give that to me or not? And, you know, spoiler alert, he gave it to me. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, cool, because I need a new pair of tennis shoes. No, I'm just kidding. He says, I'm giving you this because I want to be the first $100 in tomorrow. Doesn't go to our church. Doesn't go to church. He goes to church in his, in his, in his truck, in his 18-wheeler. And listens to the sermon. That's what he does. He goes, I got sick of trying to change the radio station. I just, because I listen to her preaching all of the time. He said, and I was there listening to you, and I was listening to you. And then he goes, but I got in the car, and God was like, hey, you got a hundred bucks. You know what to do with it, right? And he's like, no, God, I don't, I don't know what to do with it. Pay more bills? He goes, no, no, I, I want you to call Wes, and I want you to give. I want him to have the hundred bucks. I want him to be the first one hundred dollars. And But that what that guy knew is this. I've been doing life with that guy for ten plus years, and Leaders leverage their resources. Leaders love people. They live for God. They leverage. And here's what we want you to know. And Nehemiah knew. Nehemiah knew the whole time he was looking for leaders. I don't know where you fit in this at. Some of you guys have never been a part of something bigger than your life. Bigger than yourself. I wasn't. Remember the first time I landed in Manila, Philippines. And Diane said, you're not going to believe this. I mean, my dad, I mean, he just, he goes, does these crusades and thousands and thousands of people show up. You're just not going to believe this. And, and thousands of people didn't show up that time. The first time I was on Manila, Philippines, a million people showed up to hear the gospel. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, I've got to open my eyes to more. And I began, I'm like, I got to go on more of these trips. I got to be a part of what God is doing around the world. And today you get an opportunity to be a part of what God is doing in this city and around the world. I'm going to have you bow your head and close your eyes.